0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Paul Leslie Hour. And now, your host, Paul Leslie.
1: Hey, it's me. How are you folks? Thanks so much for tuning in. It's a very special day. We have an in-studio guest It's with great pleasure we welcome this man, Joseph Duke IV. He's an entrepreneur, programmer, technologist, sometime a writer. Joe has been featured in Forbes magazine. He is the founder and CEO of Red Rook Incorporated. Red Rook is an innovator in integration technology, something that is going on all around us, whether we know it or not. First of all, Joe, thanks for being here. Thank you, Paul. It's a great pleasure. Now, for the listeners out there, little backstory: I believe I asked Joe if he would do an interview maybe ten years ago. I think good things come to those who wait. What makes now
0: the moment? Uh, great question, Paul. You don't start late, do you? <laughs> right right into the uh the deepest parts of uh, of the soul. Paul I I've always been a big fan of yours and uh I think I just need a little time to build up the courage and belief in myself that I could be a good guest for you. <laughs> well that's very hum- they're very humble, I think.
1: We've got a lot to talk about, I think. Technology is just something that something that we think is the newest thing, we think, okay, what are they going to think of next? And then
0: there's this next thing. Do you think we're living in the future? Paul, great question. I Okay, so I I can come at this a couple ways. So first of all, uh, I don't think technology and living in the future are necessarily one and the same or combined. Um, I do believe... Technology is a mechanism that speeds up natural forces that are already at work. You know, in a sense, I think we're always living in the future. At some point, twenty years ago, I decided that I really loved bowling, and had I not come uh, in love with the sport, I may not be on the same journey that I am today. Something. On that path led me to meet somebody who led me to meet somebody else who uh, brought me to a restaurant where I was inspired by the type of food I may never have had before. Maybe that food was Indian food and I fell in love with it. But those series of choices brought me to where I am today. So, in a sense, I'm living in a future that that young man 20 years ago uh, made decisions for. And so, personally, I do like to keep my mind in the future. I feel as though the choices I'm making today are determining a series of events that are going to unfold into my future. I'm not always sure what environmental conditions are going to shape that, but I do try and keep a a mind wrapped around the idea that everything I'm doing is much more significant than just an event that's fleeting. So yeah, I think we are living in the future. (laughs)
1: When I think about you, there's a lot of things that I think, but this is one of my favorite Joe Duke stories that I think about. You were telling me about this time, you were at some kind of conference or seminar, and there was this guy, and he was he was talking about all of the things that they should do and that you should do, and we're going to make all this money, and you should be doing this too, and we, this is basically... You could say that it was, let's make money. We want to make money. And then apparently Joe raised his hand, or maybe he didn't raise his hand. I'm not sure. And he asked a very profound question. He said, so once you get all this money, what are you going to do with it? <laughs> <laughs> and then that's a great question. And it, it brings to mind the why.
0: So why do you do what you do? Um, no easy questions here. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, the why is is always the most important question, and you're, you're right on. The question was just what are you going to do with all this money once you've accumulated it? Um, you know, in everything that I've ever done, I've found the money to be the least valuable resource in play, that relationships with people the creativity, the influence you can have on the world to bring about a better place, those are all things that money can empower. When money is the pursuit, those things are sacrificed even unconsciously. It's, it's uh, very easy to step over very valuable potentialities of creation to get to something that is momentary and isn't really reflective of a scoreboard that is worth living. In my opinion, we trade life for money when focused on it. But when we're focused on life, money comes as a byproduct, a, a attracted, and it's an attraction to the things that we're creating in the world. And so I say to trade focused on the why. I think the why is the very important question and just believe that when you're doing it right, the money will come. And uh, when it doesn't, maybe it's a sign or some form of feedback. So, you know why i I live for purpose i wanna i wanna see people have a better life i wanna see them more fulfilled. That does not necessarily mean an easier life. It doesn't mean less challenges it mean lazy definitely don't wanna create a world or bring about a world or contribute to bringing about a world that breeds laziness and content with what we've already arrived at but but a perpetual state of introducing new challenge and new skill development and repeating that pattern in such a way that we have a constant desire for what's next, the the pursuit of building something bigger than ourselves and enjoying that journey together. I think that's really important uh, to live a fulfilling life.
1: Well, on that note, what's the most important thing or things to a guy like you?
0: well being being on a journey with people who are like-minded is very valuable you know when you work on something really hard uh you spend a lot of your time invested into it it can become very lonely uh, a very lonely journey to be out on the edge and uh the gap that that occurs between where you're at or where you might wind up inside this creation and where uh, everybody else is on the journey, uh, if you're not careful, can be a very distant gap. And then it's hard to find a way to connect or have a connection. You might, you know, even be the weird guy at the table who's staring off in the distance while everyone's talking about the football game. <laughs> That's happened a lot. But <laughs> I, I remember writing a an article about the merits of a bubbleless brew. You know, why is it that we... We shudder to think of the idea that a beer without bubbles in it would be so terrible, but it's just in tuned, you know, to, to where we are. And right now in this very moment, I just went down a rabbit hole that happened at the very time I wrote that. So, <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, you know, I, I think enjoying people who, who want to go deep into what this world is all about and try and figure it out and just celebrate the process of putting our energy together towards something that is bigger and worthwhile and sets a good bar for everybody to be challenged by to to work together in spirit to create something new it's always about creation underneath it i would say responsibility is a an attribute that is incredibly important to me i i, I admire people who take extreme responsibility for uh, the things that they commit to in life and and bring them about. And I think uh, laziness, excuses, things that that come up that people uh, tell themselves or allow themselves to believe that get in the way of their ability to create are just, uh, it's sad and want to be able to encourage those people to you know grab on that this life is worth living that you can do these things you don't have to allow excuses to get in the way but it's rooted in a belief and a commitment to being responsible and uh, so I like that I like uh, when people have this natural gift of you know committing to something and being very responsible to bring it about. You
1: mentioned this journey and you mentioned that it can get lonely you know, and you said that you like to you like to go on this journey with other people. What kind of people do you like to surround yourself
0: with? Well, maybe it's easier to start with people who I don't want to surround myself with. <laughs> that's, okay, uh, that's people who are who who engage in the philosophy of uh, a willingness to to take uh, happiness from others with the intent of their own their their own prosper their own happiness. I uh, have no problem with happiness. I certainly think that we're all motivated to uh, to achieve it. What I like are people that recognize that and respect each of our own journeys and its own unique way that we can help and and be responsible enough to create opportunity for everybody to share in in happiness together, not to take from another in order to get to our own. So uh, I think that's that's very high on my list, uh, that people are, are respectful of each other. Respectful. Hmm. Yeah.
1: Now, on the note of respect, this is a perception that's sometimes portrayed in the media. On shows like SNL, there's this idea <laughs> that tech guys are a little bit arrogant. You know, I remember when, I want to say it was... Before he had a late-night show, it was Jimmy Fallon. You probably know the skit I'm talking about, where he's a tech guy, and the the person's sitting there at their computer, and they're trying to figure out what to do, and he says, move, basically does the let-me-drive thing. And he rolls his eyes at every question. You know, that's not always true, of course. That's just a, a perception and maybe a stereotype. But in life, do you think it's more important to maybe... Is it better to be a little bit cocky, a little bit arrogant, or should, is it better to be a little more humble and have some humility?
0: I think there's a there's a time for for both you know in a, a safe environment with uh, friends, a little bit of competitive you know spirit is is certainly uh, we we can have a lot of fun picking on each other, but <laughs> with good love, yeah, I think that there's a there, There's absolutely a place for it. Uh, there was an episode of Silicon Valley where the two were on a date and the girl started, I think it was her, was clicking. She was a space uh, person and he was a tab person. So when they're formatting their code, he would use tabs. And every time he heard her clicking <laughs> the space bar five times, it was just this anxiety was building in them and they portrayed it so well. And I can't tell you how accurate that engagement is amongst, you know, some technologists. And so, you know, it was just, it, it was hilarious. It was portrayed that way, but in that moment, that's a great space where, where there's an appreciation for the fact that there are different styles, but also you were absolutely going to punch the guy in the arm who does faces. It's just, if you're a tab person, you don't deal with it. So but yeah, you know, if you're getting to know somebody, I think it's uh, you find the right time and play a little more diplomatic or humble and uh until you have that relationship where it's it's acceptable. What do you think is the best way to learn? Doing it. I mean, I like I, I'm I don't like. I don't have a whole lot of fear around the things that I thrust myself into. I think that you just, you try, you anticipate failure, use it as a form of feedback and adjust uh, until you figure it out. I mean, it may not be the best philosophy for some. I I certainly like to have a a reasonable amount of of critical analysis and, you know, securing my risk. I don't like to just be, you know, jump into a, a black hole and see what's at the bottom when I hit it. But, you know, if After a quick round, I like, you know, if I don't feel that it's too crazy, just go do it. And uh, you'll figure it out and you'll learn it. On the other end, you'll have a skill set that you can decide, you know, can be combined with something else you have or not. But I definitely just thrust myself in and go.
1: Would I be wrong to assume that you find value in failure?
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Failure feedback is essential. And, and and in fact, once you're, I believe once you're able to overcome the ego challenges with accepting failure, that you actually crave failure feedback faster because it saves you a whole lot of time in life. Um, uh, it's perfectly reasonable. We're following a, a scientific method. We're following some form of observation. We're making an assessment on it. And then we thrust ourselves into it to see what the results are. And a failure, a failure in results is equally good as a positive feedback if it gets you on a positive direction. So what's the best way to deal with someone who just doesn't understand? Paul, give me an example. Uh, <laughs> I wanna, I'm going to be the interviewer at the moment. <laughs> okay, well, I'm going
1: to give you two. There was one time we were at a coffee shop. And uh, I was trying to get from point A to point B. And every time I moved towards B, this person completely oblivious, this is a different kind of understanding, was intercepting me from what I was trying to do. So you could say that they maybe didn't have an understanding or an awareness, maybe is a better word, of what was going on around them. And then there's the other side of that. I mean, that could be someone that you're working alongside with, you're collaborating. Or it could be someone who's more like a client. And they must understand fill-in-the-blank. You can't go forward until fill-in-the-blank is understood. It's just not happening. <laughs> what do you do? How do you handle that?
0: Well, you know, I the younger version of me would, would have handled it and, and in a sundry of ways trying to get there. I think where I'm at today... I probably would just address it and just say it. <laughs> just say we're not connecting. Um mm-hmm. uh, will you work with me to figure this out? And then from there you just it's on the surface and now both of us are either working towards a common goal to have understanding or we're not. But I don't think I would uh I don't think I I presume that I know the secret to helping someone else understand, you know, the, the human mind is so complex and, you know, I've, I've committed my life to solving complex problems. And I would say that this humans are the most complex challenge that uh, I've ever been faced with. And, and so, you know, the respect of where someone's coming from and where they're going is, you know, is, is something that I want to meet with, with our a mutual attempt to get to something it's not i know better than them they must know something equally important to them that this gap is happening as a natural byproduct of both of our beings in that place at that time with our understanding and so together uh the invitation permits them the ability to let me know where my gap is and together we'll find understanding
1: hmm. Well, something that nobody is immune to every single person on this earth we are all talked about when we are not present nothing anybody can do about that what would you like people to say about you when you're not around
0: well i would i would you know it it would make me happy to know that people thought generally that my mind share and efforts went to putting more in than I took out, that people were left with a a better outcome than what would have been there had I not been in their lives. But maybe the best way to answer this is uh, what what I would really like, the only real people that I would like to leave lasting memory with are my kids, and I would like them to just say or believe, and I would like to have earned the right for them to believe that I was a good dad.
1: <laughs> Great. So what are you looking forward to? What's coming up that's exciting to you?
0: I want to go to space. I think it's going to happen. I want to I want to hop on a on a ship and live out like it's not going to be the Star Trek Enterprise that I grew up with and and envisioned, but I can have a pretty close experience. You know, I've Throw on an oculus rift and get you know thirty percent of the way there right now. But I think that'll be fun. i I'd like to uh, I'd like to go explore the regions, even if it's just for the experience alone. Do you
1: think that maybe past generations did not fully appreciate how important science fiction is or would become?
0: I'm sure there's I mean everybody's interest drives their judgments. so, Sure, there's probably a large group of people that as there is today that don't appreciate science or science fiction and and the more out there it gets, the more fearful people might be of associating, you know, science fiction with their identity. But certainly I think that the the people who are wrapping their mind around these visions that do not exist today are just some of the most genius Influencers that we've, you know, that that we can, I, I mean, we just we just don't even realize what an impact that they've had on our lives. You know, it's uh, it could have just been a a box with some aluminum foil and a couple of Christmas lights sticking through it, and who knows what was rigged behind it to actually create a light box. But you know, that inspired some child who grew up and uh, invented something that ultimately became maybe a cell phone or. A 3d printer or you know or anything that i mean i you wouldn't believe how many things if you go back and watch uh the old star trek series and just see how many of the things that were not things then are now things and even the designs that are similarly applied are the application of them is even modeled in the design of those original ideas that were nothing you know so i think it's masterful Uh, I think it's a great art, and I'm certainly a fan. So to those who do it, I hope you keep on going. (laughs) I'll keep reading.
1: It really is remarkable. Yeah. What makes a company
0: a good company? So I, as a standard, I don't want to make anything half-assed. I want all of my work to put more in than it takes out. I want to accept the responsibility that what we build must be worth more to those who are paying for it. And it's our job to accept responsibility, and not only accept, but continually increase our responsibility to improve the value proposition in such a way that uh, we are helping other people and other organizations get to the things that bring them happiness. Again, as I said, I, I don't like our bar for responsibility to be out of balance. I don't want to accept responsibility for creating laziness amongst others. I want my work to build uh, more challenge for others, but challenge in such a way that they can develop skills, be satisfied with their innovations and their development. And together, we begin to work together. You know, with customers, a lot of times they have a different business model, different things they're trying to do. And their challenges are in are, are not as mutually tied. So to those organizations, I I just want to always be keenly aware of what it is that we're responsible for delivering and making sure that we're doing the best that we can do ahead of time. We're not waiting for them to tell us, here's what we need you to do, but that we're innovating ahead and delivering a value that puts more in their pockets than what they're putting in ours.
1: Hmm. Now, for some easier questions, if anyone ever gets the chance to walk around the Headquarters of Red Rook, the company, they're going to find that there are certain themes that they're going to see again and again. One of them would be the motion picture movies. There are references to actors, there are movie posters, there's other things too, but it makes me wonder what is Joe Duke's favorite movie of all time?
0: Paul, you could have given me a heads up.
1: Well, what's the first one that pops into your head?
0: Favorite movie of all time. I might need to to pause and then interject a uh, an answer back into this very moment <laughs> at a later time. I'm not going to say Star Trek IV with the whales, although there be whales in here is such a great line. I need... Uh, Paula, I'm I'm going to get back to this. I'm sorry. No problem. We'll come back to it. All right. If you could pick
1: a song, any song in the world, that you had to sing in front of multitudes of people, you have to pick a song, which song would you sing?
0: Okay, you you know who you're talking to. This is one of the most boring people in the world. No, <laughs> you want this me is to not get, true. You want me to get on stage and sing? I can't even imagine that happening. One time I tried karaoke. I probably either did a Beastie Boys. No, this is two times. So Beastie Boys and an Eminem. I don't know why I can, I can spit out some lyrics pretty quick. I don't think I would pick those. I, I was probably... In, in a couple beers too deep, but, you know, I it, I think it really just comes down to the fact that I can I can do that without having a great singing voice. But if I could, if I had a voice, man, I would belt out some Simon and Garfunkel. Really? Interesting. Simon and
1: Garfunkel. Sound of Silence?
0: Love it. Maybe <laughs> Kansas, too. I might do some Kansas.
1: Yeah, yeah. What is Pittsburgh style for any of the listeners who don't know what that is? And why do you like
0: it? Best of both worlds. I like a, I usually go Pittsburgh medium these days, but I had a friend uh, when I was younger used to eat, introduced me to a uh, raw steak. He would always tell when he was ordering a steak, ask the waiter if they could just run it under warm water. He, he didn't <laughs> want to cook it. And you know, the the rarest of steaks would come out and we would eat them. Uh, and it was definitely forced. I had to um, try hard to swallow uh, the first few times. But after a while, it um, became something we just did. And and um, so I learned to eat steak anywhere from raw all the way to well done. And something about both of them I enjoyed. So I, I started ordering a style called Pittsburgh, which is mostly a rare steak on the inside. And oh, seared solid on the outside with a nice blackened crisp, or or at least you know mildly charred edges, and so you get this delicious char flavor on the outside and a moist, tender, juicy steak nearly raw on the inside. And that's that's the story. So going back to a previous
1: question, you've just had yourself a delicious Pittsburgh steak. You take your napkin. You wipe the blood off of your chin, and you're going to watch a movie, one of your all-time favorite movies. Which movie would that be? You just asked this (laughs) question
0: to me. That's a a great new angle. Sorry, Paul. (laughs) It's all right.
1: It's all right. What would you say to anyone listening in, completely open-ended, that's it? You could say anything you wanted. You don't know who's listening. What would you say?
0: Um, you know, life is worth living. Live it up. Do it right. Don't take shortcuts. They they lead to long journeys. Um, look out for people. Put more in than you take out. And um, when you're ready to be responsible on those matters, come talk to me because I'd like to hang out with people like that. <laughs> what question do you wish
1: I would have asked you that I haven't yet?
0: What kind of shoes are you wearing? <laughs> <laughs> what kind of shoes are you wearing, Joe? I have these awesome red and blue shoes on and picked them up about a week ago and uh, my mother says she has some matching yarn uh, or something she picked up and she intends to make a a pair of socks for me that match my shoes so. <laughs> thanks for asking
1: so other than the shoes what is the best thing about being Joe Duke
0: uh, listen I've had a very rewarding life I've got great family not all of it's been been easy but Uh, All the lessons came through the trials and and the trials led to opportunity and opportunities led to making the most. And I I guess at some point, you know, you you can find a a place in life where you can see the dark side and everything and, and, you know, feel like you have no empowerment over your own circumstance. Or you can pick up, look at it through the lens of responsibility grab on, you know, and and make a difference that you'd like to see come about. And I think I was just very fortunate to pick up on that somewhat early on. And, and now living life, and it still has its trials, it just, it feels fulfilling at all times, more from a philosophic standpoint. I just, I feel very rewarded. I have the joy of being a father of three wonderful kids. My oldest, Angelina, is 15. And, uh, you know, she's what every teenager goes through. She's working through her high school times and, and trying to decide what life holds for her. And I just enjoy being there, chatting through it and trying to remember what it was like being in those shoes and, and uh, wondering what's next. And, and my, my next daughter is turned eight this last week. She's uh, McKenna and she's uh, just full of life, but she doesn't want to look pretty anymore. She wants to be cool. You know, so she's gotta have cool clothes now and uh, <laughs> and uh that's exciting, you know, to see you know how she's taken the world and trying to figure it out and and learn what her identity is gonna be and and what's important to her and and she's judiciously working through that in trial and error and i'm I'm fascinated by it. my youngest joey he's uh he'll soon to be seven, going into second grade and and he's very athletic, naturally gifted, very smart, and, you know, just full of enthusiasm and sweetness. And it's like that perfect age where it's like, he's boy, but he's still my sweet little boy, but he's about to be a man. And I have to, you know, teach him discipline and responsibility and, and, you know, the other important things that come along. And so just seeing him take those lessons and ask questions and just, you know stare into to the sky and wonder and i i love that in all of them so i get this very fortunate uh life to live and you know my wife Suzanne, we've been just we've we've figured out how to be great partners and it was it's a you know it's a work of art and you you know you commit to putting more in than you take out and everybody's doing that you create excess all around and you know we get the joy of just living inside of that and so i hope that, that can be an inspiration for others, and I'd and, uh, like to see that just emanate out uh, as big as it can go. So, very, very thankful. Who is Joseph Duke? Uh, I'm hard to say, Paul. Why Why you go here, man? <laughs> I knew it was coming. You know... I I can only take the path of humility man. I'm just uh I have these weird hobbies and interests that you know paid off well but I'm just a a, a fortunate I'm just I'm just lucky and uh you know it wasn't yeah. like I said it wasn't without its uh its trials. You know we certainly had had a journey to work through but all of it worked together to create this life, you know, Joe Duke is is uh, just a guy that will come and go like everybody else. And in the end, it's dust in the wind. But today, Joe Duke is living a life of purpose and having fun doing it and, you know, just living the journey. That's it.
1: Well, Jill, thank you for being present. Thank you for doing this interview. It's been a great pleasure to get to know you. YouTube all. Folks, if you want information on what the Red Rook is, you could go to www.theredrook.com. Joe, it's a pleasure. Thank you, Paul. <laughs> The Joe Duke Special, The First Installment, was recorded and produced July 30th, 2019. For more information on the Paul Leslie Hour, visit thepaulleslie.com. Engineered by Henry Jordan of Jordan Digital Studios. Thanks for listening. Until next time.